Welcome back to Not Alone, a podcast about faith and well-being. We are so glad you're listening. Purpose is both a deep and a broad concept. It's a universal human desire, and it's a big focal point for a lot of Christians in particular. And while purpose can be both powerful and inspiring, it can also be challenging to navigate life around. So how do we balance healthy living and purpose? How can theology shape our understanding of what purpose really is? And how do we apply our concepts of purpose around our decision-making processes? Here, as always, are Michael McCord, Lindsay Geist, and Evan DeYoung. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Not Alone podcast, the podcast with Lindsay Geist and Michael McCord, and I am one of your three hosts, which who other two were previously mentioned. I'm Evan. It's great to see you, hear you. Actually, you can only hear me, but it's a pleasure to be with you this morning, afternoon, evening, middle of the night, whatever and wherever you may be. We hope that you are well, and we're really excited. Lindsay, Michael, say hi to the people. Hi, people. Hello, friends. Good to be with you again. I try and do slow NPR-like intros, and then I always catch flack from these two, and then I go over the top, and they also look at me like I'm a wild man. We're kind so. of middle-of-the-road people, if you haven't yes. met us yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just feel like you're just, you know... All over the place. Yeah, you, you never got, know what we're going to get. Your life is full of dynamic. In a lovely way. Yeah, I, I in my life, want the bare minimum level of predictability to feel safe (laughs) in the world, which varies and changes. So, you know, I don't have anything set or out there. So, you know, I just randomly feel like life is chaos or life is too boring. So there is Mm -hmm. no standard. Uh, But maybe that's because I haven't found my purpose in life, which brings us to our topic of the day, which is purpose. Finding your purpose, talking about your purpose, feeling like you don't know what your purpose is. What does that even mean when somebody says that? What are they referring to? Like, oh, I just don't know what my purpose is. Like, where's Rick Warren when you need him? Oh, man. I haven't read that book in a long time. The Purpose Driven Life. Have either of y'all read that? No, because no. it came out when I was like in middle school or something like that. And like all the adults that I felt like were pretty boring were like, you have to read this. And I'm like, if it makes me like you, I am not reading this book. <laughs> oh, goodness. I, I did it hey, as a I devotional just, with a friend one summer. I couldn't do it. I just want to say, if you're an adult who recommended The Purpose Driven Life to me, and we have a relationship now, as well, now that I'm an adult, I'm not talking about you. This is only for the people who did that who don't listen to this episode of the podcast. I think that that's a great example, though, of um, how much we all are pursuing finding our purpose. I mean, that was a bestseller for a zillion weeks. Um, you can still see it in all sorts of bookstores that people really want this answer. Yeah. So, the, and just for those who haven't heard of it, there was a book by Rick, a guy named Rick Warren, who's a pastor called The Purpose Driven Life. And it was all about finding your purpose and direction and that kind of stuff. What, I don't even know what year it came out. I'll find out. Uh, 2000. 2000. Two, no, 2002. 2002. Which was a sequel to Purpose Driven Church, which came out in 1995. So, oh. 
um yeah i was in college when this came out and i i remember reading a preface to it and well i think my okay so first of all i i like the title i like the idea of having purpose behind what you do and how you live Mm -hmm. but i think again as i just read the preface and then i kind of decided not to read it there's a lot of uh sort of this predestined construct so like that you start off with it. You are like uniquely made for a specific purpose, and and you and, and your life's pursuit is to figure out what that purpose is. And it's it's like um, you know, I feel like it, it's like the ring. You know, like you 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 mm-hmm. you you've been designed to go find this ring, and you just have to find it. And you have to go through this incredible journey to get there, this epic journey to get to finding it. And then when you finally find that that mysterious thing that you were created to be, you'll find contentment. And I. So, so I like the idea that uh, we live by purpose and purpose in that, that our life is, our lives can be more fulfilling if we understand why we do the things we do mm-hmm. and why they're important. You know, that to me is kind of what purpose is like, why, why are we doing this and why is it important to us and to the world? And and but but I kind of run up against this challenge, especially after years and years of working with college students who believe that they are on this epic journey to discover their ultimate truth. And that yeah. that is some defined like like there is a <laughs> recently. Oh, this is a funny this. This is this is exactly how I kind of imagine a lot of people trying to find their purpose. My we were recently in New York with the kids and my brother had been there. Uh, the week before us. And so he created a scavenger hunt across the city for us to find. So fun. Way to go, bro. I know. He's amazing. Uncle Sean, everybody loves him. Um, And, you know, we have to go to the Museum of Natural History. We have to go to a park. We have to go to uh, a couple other different places. And he, there's clues you have to find at each of these places. And it, it releases a, a secret message, which was an address to a, building that he stayed in where his airbnb was and the doorman had a gift card and in and for us so to go to a bakery fun. yes the best part about that is at, we get this at is the your end life of the day a movie it is it is i just spending time with you guys is like a movie oh my yeah. goodness oh, this is so um, but roll. anyway <laughs> the best part about the whole thing was the gift card was to to my uncle's uh, to my uncle's to their uncle to my brother sean's uh, favorite bakery in New York, which was a mile away from the door. <laughs> so we had to walk to Soho to go to this bakery at the end of our trip that we finally found. And we had the most marvelous uh, like chocolate chip cookies and espresso together. It was it was great. But I but I think sometimes we think that finding your life's purpose is like completing a scavenger hunt. Mm-hmm. And what that does for us is that if we don't ever, one, it's hard to find contentment because you're always thinking, oh, is this really it or is it not? Is this really it? Can we yeah. really be placed here or not? Um, and then, and then there's if we don't find some ultimate, you know, euphoric, at the end of a long journey, purpose that maybe we feel like our lives didn't have purpose. And so I think that's kind of the critique that I run up against in this this idea of like a ordained, very specific, narrowly defined purpose that you were set out to do. It's it's interesting that we talk about purpose as though it's going to break this, uh, serve as like a way to uh, be a code breaker 
to everything else in life. If we know that answer, then everything else will fall into place. And so we have this crazy pursuit of believing that if this pinnacle moment and we get this one piece of information, all of a sudden our entire lives will open up and be enlightened and we will figure everything out. It's how we interact with scripture too, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it may be faith in general, that faith is some like magical Rubik's cube that if you just eventually get all the colors aligned, everything will make sense to you and it will release this like inner being that you just that has been cloistered inside of you, you know? And I mean, I love that idea for a movie. I think it makes a great movie. I just, I don't know if that's real for most people. Yeah. We also talk about it in specifics. Like, like it's going to be this, uh, like my life purpose is not to help others. Something super broad. It's like my life purpose is to help this specific group of people or this one person achieve that one thing. And then ta-da, like that pinnacle moment was what life was all about. There was a lot for me growing up in the 90s in the South with church and school and everything revolved around you want to make your mark on the world. Like, what are you as an individual? How are you going to change the world? And it put a lot of pressure on living life that you had to find this one thing that you essentially got famous for. I mean, that was the way that it was mm. processed and talked about was what is the thing that you're going to become popular and famous for so that people notice and remember you. And in reflection through what you guys have been talking about, it's making me realize that that's a lot of pressure to put on a child. And that's a lot of pressure to put on the arc of your life and those actions. And it's, everybody can't be famous and you shouldn't, and I don't mm -hmm. want to be famous, but I think I like in the back of my mind felt like I was failing if I wasn't famous going through life. Yeah. I, I think there's, a whole like there's a whole line of thinking around being famous being influential but i also i sort of and i don't think it was necessarily intentional but in the church world i see a lot of older adults putting the pressure of saving the church and saving the world on children and that that you know we that we blundered this we know we can't fix it and so it's really up to the the 20 somethings and the teenagers and the little kids to figure out a way to make the world better because we messed it up there's sort of this long kind of arc of that kind of story um and i think that that adds to the it compounds that pressure that you put on so so social media uh youtube all these like all these like uh because my, my kids love watching those YouTube families and stuff like that. There's this like push to be famous, like that you could, that anyone mm -hmm. could be discovered and become famous, but then put that on top of what the church is saying to you that, you know, it's up to you to make the world a better place and you can do it. Then, then you have this like real pressure on a person to, to be all those things. When I think what, what, 
the scriptures teach us, and I think what is maybe more useful is that the most important thing you can do is to love God, love yourself, and love others. And by doing that, by being healthy in a relationship with yourself, with your creator, and with all those those people that live with you, that that is making the world a better place. That that mm-hmm. you don't have to you don't have to solve or come up with the cure to cancer or solve the uh, Ukrainian Russian dispute. Like what you what you need to do is just to be healthy for yourself, be healthy with your creator, be healthy with your neighbors, and that is life and world changing for yourself and for everyone who who knows you and that, but that message doesn't really get out because it's like, you know, the church is falling apart. We need young people to go to church and they've got to save the church. It, it, it just, it just kind of catapults itself into, to, a, I guess a pressure soup is really kind of what it feels like. Pressure soup. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm going to hold on to that soup, analogy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a little bit of savior complex. Here's a little bit of, uh, uh idolatry here's a little bit of you could be insta famous to you know you could also maybe win a million dollars if you hold your breath for so long or you know whatever those challenges are it's a lot to walk around life feeling like whatever you've done isn't quite good enough that sounds very exhausting Mm -hmm. or it 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 didn't quite hit the mark i don't i don't or that there's this like magical moment of meaning and life is meaningless until you've hit this jackpot and so- broken the code. It, and I then think of it very enough. Like very similarly to my journey to finding a spouse. I mean, so much, even though I didn't really come out of like a, a particularly like evangelical religious tradition where you're supposed to have like one true love that you're supposed to find, which I heard lots of my friends kind of talk about that but mm-hmm. but i think still probably the american narrative of marriage is that there's this one it's like all of us in america we're on this like epic journey that just is this mean, elusive <laughs> person that yeah. you have to go find somewhere that's right that's right and then what what i what i what i see happen in these relationships especially young relationships that with college students that i work with is that you know, they get in this relationship and it's all wonderful. I'm like, oh, this is the one, this one. And then they realize that this person snores or this person doesn't cut their toenails or like, I don't, I mean, there's like, yeah, usually it's these little things. Or and then they're their like, toenails in the wrong place. Oh yeah. Gosh. If they cut their toenails on an airplane next to somebody, that's okay. That's, that's worth breaking up over. I just want to be clear, but but then, then they'll start to question everything. Like, oh, well, I, I, all this stuff that I have in common, this stuff that we love to do together, they don't do this, so they must not be the right one because it irritates me. But the reality, we all know anyone who's in a relationship with anybody knows that we all irritate each other. That's, that's part of humanity. Is yeah, we... present company included. We, we irritate <laughs> <Yes>. each other. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> That is the truth that I think that the people that you're closest to, um, everything, we act like, um, everything has to be perfect at all times, all relationships for it to be the right one means that there's never any problems and you are happy at all times for you to be doing your life purpose. It is never too hard and you are always capable of doing it. That does put a lot of pressure on relationships, friendships, family relationships, romantic relationships, when your purpose is a singular place, because 
the longer you go, the more that you don't feel like you've arrived at that singular place, you're going to have to play the blame game. I mean, it puts yourself in a situation where you would have to ask yourself, why have I not arrived at this singularity in life? Why have the clouds not parted and I have realized that I have accomplished my purpose in life? And then the older that you get, you start to realize you're going to die and you're maybe you're running out of time or you missed the boat or you're irrelevant and you missed the window. And I see that happen where we put this intense scrutiny and pressure on those around us when in reality, it's absolutely 100% us. Almost mm-hmm. always. Now, I'm not saying there's not trauma and challenges that influence other people, but I think there's this... Maybe it's just because I'm in my 30s, and so I have a lot of people who are freaking out that it's their 30s, and they're starting to get into the single-digit numbers creeping towards their 40s, and so there's this big freakout that, like, oh my gosh, I have missed the boat. I've squandered my inheritance. I am the prodigal son and I have to figure out how to get back to this nebulous, ever-shifting value of my purpose in life. And that is challenging. Well, and if you, live, if you came out of a religious tradition where uh, your creator is some kind of retributive entity that, like, if you do something wrong, you're punished. And, and then you get into your, your, your approach your midlife i don't know what midlife is anymore but but if you if you're getting into well into adulthood moving out of young adulthood into adulthood let's say that and and you you aren't where you thought you would be by the definitions that you had of yourself in your early 20s and teens which by the way would any of us really want to be what we thought we were going to be when our early teens and 20s but there is funny how we project that stuff onto ourselves as missing the mark and and then if you if you if you came up in that tradition then you can't even help but start thinking oh i've done something wrong uh. because i mm-hmm. haven't found my one true love i haven't found my one true purpose i'm still meandering in the wilderness like all that whatever kind of like way you think of your life if if it's not what you thought it was going to be when you were a teenager or an early 20 something then you are maybe done something wrong that is so interesting and we are such a fault-finding culture in america and i can only speak to that because i haven't grown up in any other culture so i'll speak to my culture and my life everything comes down to fault because we make laws to change society and it doesn't matter if they can't hold up to the legal system right so the way that our society is shaped is really more through litigation than it is anything else singularity like it, it has to come down and it has like will this stand up in court is the big question and in scripture Jesus moves fault around, right? Who who sinned? They asked this the blind bear, who sinned? This man or his parents? And Jesus goes, It's not really not really about finding fault. Sometimes things just happen so that the glory of God is shown. And that combined with our culture in this country does not compute. Like I can't mm-hmm. I don't have the handles to interact with that because it is so apart from the society that I walk and live around in, but that's partly the call of the gospel is to live a different life. So if purpose calls us to live a different life, Lindsay, I want to go back to something that you said about how finding your purpose is like this code breaker thing. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a really profound way to 
think about that process for us that if we find the right cipher right like if it's a if there's a secret code and if we understand mm-hmm. it unlocks all of this parts and it's like a, I, th- I think a lot of the time i found myself going through life looking for that like a scratch off like lottery ticket like a like a scratcher mm-hmm. if you will uh, where it's like okay these are my key numbers and so i'm just scratching off something and then that dopamine hit of is the number that's behind this hidden veil that i'm scratching off with a nickel here going to be the thing that makes my life click into place and that's a very acute pressure to apply to things i don't think we realize how much uh predestination language uh we are putting on all of this as though everything is predecided, and we are to find this one magical moment and again our choices have either um uh, been correct or been wrong, uh, in all this blame of it. And it's just so confusing, um, uh, as though, I don't know, people come to counseling a lot and say that they really need help finding their purpose. Um, and the way that our culture has talked about it, um, it is this predestined moment. You better find it or you've missed everything. Um, and that it can't be a broad option. It can't be love God, love people. Like that is not specific enough, mm-hmm. uh, for the way that we talk about purpose. Wow. Oh. So would I go on a, I know I'm, I guess I'm, this is my vacation episode, but when I go on a vacation, um, I spend a lot of time like getting, like looking towards the destination. And I, I spend a lot of time kind of imagining planning for that destination. And, and I think this, this may be true for some of you too, is that in doing so, so much of my energies on that place that I miss the journey that gets us there too. And I will say that, that kids have made me experience things more fully because they are fully themselves all the time. And so there's no, there's no like zoning out on an airplane ride to, uh, to, to, to go somewhere because the, the kids don't zone out. They don't ever do that. And, but they also, some of like the little moments because they're inquisitive and they want to talk to the flight attendant or they want to, they want to ask me questions about this thing that they see on the way to our destination. Uh, and those, so in some ways they help you open up your eyes and see that the journey, this, this thing, and I know it feels kind of cliche to even say it just that our, that, that our journey is also just as important as our destination. And if, if we see purpose as some destination, some discovery, but Maybe and make I guess I guess backing out of that maybe maybe really our purpose as uh, there's the, the great commission at the Jesus is speaking to his disciples and go therefore and and go therefore actually maybe a, one of a, a a different way of reading that that may be a little bit closer would be would be a phrase as you're going make disciples for Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world mm. but that that. The idea is that as you're going, your purpose as a as a follower of Christ, as a human being, is 
as you're going, make disciples, love others, see others, be present with others. And in so doing, you're living out your, your greatest purpose of being fully human and fully present in the moment that, you, that you're given. I do think sometimes, though, Michael, what I heard you say was, oh, well, I'm going to say it like this, but this does sound cliche. And you got me thinking, I think sometimes I run from truth because it sounds cliche, even if it is true. I'm like, oh, this is cliche, so I'll do something different. Like, two plus two is four. Two plus two is four is a cliche saying. It is also math. <laughs> like, it, it is true. And as much as I might not want to acknowledge that two plus two does equal four in the traditional mathematical sense, it is cliche. It is still four. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I, I think it, part of that is maybe our own rejection of, like, the framework of our parents whatever whatever language our parents used about things we have this natural tendency to sort of reject that to identify our own selves and so you know hearing hearing your your mom tell you in high school when you break up with your girlfriend or your boyfriend you know there's there's other fish in the sea there's you know part of this is just the journey like when you hear that echo in your head, you don't want to actually believe that that some of that actually is rooted in truth. That mm-hmm. that that maybe the girl that you thought you were in love with when you were seventeen is really not the girl that you'll end up marrying, and that's okay. You know that there are other people out there like that. That there is some truth to that, but it's also in the moment you're heartbroken and and that feels trite and cliche to say that to you. But it's still true. But so it's Lindsay, also still true. <laughs> in is this something that people deal with in a clinical setting frequently, or is this like do most people deal with this, or is this something that everybody deals with? Do we are we always dealing with it, but we don't know that we're dealing with it? I think that um, I don't know how to quantify that. Um, of how many people are dealing with it or not. Um, Trying to think through the people that I've worked with. It is, um, I think that it's a question that pops up more often when we have stopped hitting milestones to achieve things. Because I think when we're currently achieving things, um, we believe that we're, we don't question what am I doing with my life? Right. Uh, accomplishing things uh, makes us feel like we are moving towards something mm-hmm. or checking things off the list. I think that when we don't have any clear milestones next um, or uh, we don't even know what we want to achieve next. Mm. We don't, human beings aren't good journey people. Um, they're mostly good destination people. Sure. Um, I know when I said journey people, I I could see the songs popping up in your head in that moment. Um, but we feel like we're floundering when we don't have a destination 
or uh, we claim we don't have a purpose. Michael, I think, well, sorry, it's, Michael went deep into thought and then I went to ask you a question. So Michael, whatever's in your head, go. I was just, I was thinking kind of like, like you, Lindsay, these moments, these sort of crisis of purpose moments that I've encountered with, with people have actually kind of revolved around milestones and sort it's sort of like that natural, like we all, no one, no one likes to hear the word strategic plan when you work in organizations, right? It just sounds awful. Or I but, feel like we're always strategic planning. Yeah, I think we are. I think we are in, in there. Yeah. And then the organizations that never follow the strategic plans, but um <laughs> I think that our our rhythm is is somewhat like a strategic plan. Like there are these milestone moments that that sort of exist, um, not not on a specific scale, but on a on an arc of time. You know that you you're a child, and then you start to become a teenager, and you start looking back, and maybe as a teenager you're not what you thought you would be when you were a kid, and then and then you get in your twenties, and you're looking back, and you graduate from college, and you're like, well that well, that was weird. And it's not exactly where I wanted to be. Like, what is my, I want to, I want to make sure this, my twenties are the best they can be. So it can be retrospective or, or forward looking too. Like I want this, I'm not really exactly happy with the way I lived my college life, but I want my 20 somethings to be really a better, you know, it's like, it's this always this sort of evaluating what we have done and it not measuring up to what we thought it should be. And then, and then trying to, project that the next decade the next place will be better i it's a lot of young families we get married marriage isn't what you thought it was going to be it wasn't it was just it's just different not necessarily bad or or good but just different from what your expectations were and you start to question about marriage you know what is this is this really the one i'm supposed to be in or is this not not you know because i'm not ignited or, or whatever language you want to use then you have kids and you're thinking I'm not the parent I thought I would be. I want to be more present, but I'm really stuck in work and and I travel and I'm gone and I want to be more there. Um, or or I really hate being a mother. <laughs> like I just, it's just not as satisfying, it's hard. And then you start questioning your purpose. And then then the kids are gone and you're like, I just gave two decades of my life to these living things and they're gone. And now what's left of me? Uh, mm -hmm. and then you get to retirement and you're like, so, so not to, not to like go this arc of like struggle, human struggle, but I think it's real. I think that there are these sort of natural moments in life that where you kind of look back and look forward and maybe look for purpose in, you know, what you've been through and what you're going through. I think it gets even more interesting when you don't hit one of those milestones that you thought you were going to hit. Or you that know. the world around you tells you to right. hit. That's right. I think it's both. I mean, there's enormous pressure to get married, to have children, to go to college, to get a degree, to get a job, to, to travel, to travel the world, to be wealthy. Like there's all this pressure to do all these things. And if you don't hit one of those, then, then you really start to question. I think we interchange the word purpose uh, with God's plan a lot of times. So what oh, is yes. my purpose or what is God's yes. plan? Absolutely. And um, even using your example, Michael, I have, I have worked with a number of people in counseling over the years that uh, did not hit the milestones that they 
thought that they would or that the church has told them to, especially around marriage, and have said, like, is it God's plan for me to be single forever? Um, is it my life purpose to do that? And then um, if I knew that answer, I mean, is what they'll often say, uh, then like everything would be better. Mm. Um, it, it, it's, and, it's a strange juxtaposition too, right? Because part of that is like trying to make sense of why this hasn't worked out. Mm-hmm. And then part of it's like punishment. Like there's an air, there's a line of punishment in that. If you oftentimes I hear, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, God decided that I shouldn't get married. And that and found like, that feels hard. That's hard. Yeah. And we do this around work too, um, that there's this uh, pinnacle moment that like this exact job is uh, your purpose versus uh, kind of broad ideas of, again, a broad idea that I said at the beginning of like helping people or sitting with people in hard moments. Um, that is something that I will say that I have felt very called to and maybe go as far as saying one of my life purposes mm-hmm. is being with people in what I would say are both the ordinary and extraordinary moments. Um, but that is a very broad purpose yeah. versus like, I am called to do this kind of counseling in this space with these specific types of people um, that sometimes that also is pressure filled and locks us in that like, this is the only way to fulfill my purpose is if it looks exactly this one way forever and always. Mm. So what do we do? Well, that's what I was just thinking. So I remember and I may have shared this in this podcast, you know, after after two years together, I don't think I have any left to <laughs> share. Said everything but, I have to say. <laughs> I, I'll say this. You're like, I have bared my whole soul. There's yeah, nothing left. So forgive me if you remember this. And uh, this is not a, this is not all a critique against uh, 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 Emily. It it is a real. I think or, or Emily me. Emily is I think, my wife, wife. Emily. So so I distinctly remember this moment after our engagement where we both were really just mad at each other. We were just, we were just frustrated. And so we started to have this, we had this conversation, like, where is this coming from? And I realized in myself, and I think Emily did too. uh, I know she, we talked very specifically about this, that we were both. um, I don't know if this, I don't want to, I want to say the right word. I mean, I'll just use this word because it's blunt disappointed. And mm-hmm. in the sense that I realized that over my life, I had accumulated a fictitious person with whom I was going to be married to mm-hmm. all these different qualities and expect like, and in realistically, nobody could live up to that. That person did not exist because it was basically taking every person I'd ever dated or interacted with or every, you know, and parent or mother really or relationship and taking their best qualities and putting that together. And it would just look like a really weird Barbie doll of like, 
just not the dimensions aren't right nothing fits and it's just it's just Mm -hmm. weird you know but that in my mind that person existed because I had curated it in my mind for so long and I think Emily Emily said the very same kind of thing about and, and so we had this moment where we realized we needed to grieve not marrying that person mm-hmm. in order for us to celebrate marrying each other. Because choosing a spouse is like letting go of some things. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's realistic. And so when you think about like purpose in life trajectory and meaning and all these sorts of things that I think that we need to have a more regular rhythm of, of the Bible, we talk about lament, uh, this, this, this recognizing loss and naming it and declaring it, that, that when we reach these moments, we realize that life hasn't panned out exactly the way that we thought it should. We need to, maybe that's a moment where we need to just recognize that we're sad about that and that it mm-hmm. hurts and lament it and burn a candle and realize that you're probably going to go through the stages of grief. You know, you have to let go. Like I, I didn't get married in my twenties. Uh, I didn't have children by the time I was thirty. I didn't get the job that that enables me to travel the world. Um, all I, there's just so many of those things that I don't know what my purpose is. Okay, <laughs> just take a moment mm-hmm. to celebrate and recognize that that to let go of that. And I think in doing that, maybe we get a chance to actually see what's good around yeah. us. I mean, I think it's powerful to grieve when things didn't happen on the timeline you expected or in the way you expected. Um, that we, we really have built up purpose and everything else as going this prescribed certain way. Um, and I mean, honestly, none of us own a time machine. We can't go back to previous things. We also can't change certain things. Um, I mean, I know we're relying heavily on uh, kind of spouse analogy and example today. Uh, but that's and one that I vacations. think. Vacations. And vacations, your theme yeah. of vacations. Mm-hmm. Um but it's that. like, why didn't I find that person when I expected I would? Um, uh, but if they're this magical one person, it also sort of makes sense um, because that you have to find them at this exact time. Uh, That's right. And if you were also- late at the train station where you were supposed to bump into mm-hmm. them, then You've you screwed yourself screwed over up. forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or... Or like you take a job that didn't work out quite how it was sold to you or you thought it would be. Um, we have never been at that kind of place never. before. Um, I don't think that you can be a working person and not have experienced that at some point that you're like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. No. Um, but then we all often say like, did I miss my purpose because of that? Did I do something wrong? And I think mm-hmm. that Again, this is powerful of how much purpose is tied very closely to the self-blame. It is it is a form of shame. Yeah. Right. I mean, if if you didn't, if you 
if you were late to the train station and you missed your spouse that you were supposed to fall in love with for the rest of your life, you're one person because you were late because you overslept. Then you start to this cycle of, I'm just a bad person. Like I'm lazy. I'm, you know, like there's all this negative self-talk. So thinking about another example, um, like, let's say you didn't try that one elective in high school or college or didn't, uh, you didn't, you know, try soccer as a kid and instead tried uh, to play an instrument. Or if you boycotted one of those other things, uh, that it was like all your fault that you missed that you were going to be this incredible jazz musician purely because you didn't pick up the saxophone at you know, it, it is wild how the shaming and blaming that as though if you make one wrong choice and quote unquote wrong, like we deem it later, right or wrong. If we make one wrong choice, that will totally throw us off from our life purpose. I live that Lindsay, just to be completely honest. So when I was in college, I wanted to be a a medical doctor and I, I, I worked at a hospital in the emergency room. I did endless, like I, I volunteered at a hospice soon, all the things I did, you know, was seeking my degree in biology and chemistry. And I um, had this moment where I realized that I wasn't fulfilled in that, in that moment as a college student and pursued ministry because that's where I found fulfillment and excitement and energy. And you know, on 20, 20 something years later of doing ministry, I look back and I'm like, what if I had just stuck with it? You know, and I, I could, especially, especially the turmoil the church is in these days, you know, what if I just stuck with it? And I could have, you know, I could have really been a doctor in, and maybe I would have been really happy, really happy there. I mean, my wife will tell you, Emily will tell you, I'm a second guesser. Like, I'm like, I'm like, let's sit down at the restaurant. I'm like, oh, but maybe we should have had this. This would have been, maybe this would have been better. And so I do, this This is this episode is very much about me and uh, my own struggle with contentment about the choices I make in life and where those choices have led me. I have a separate page. Michael and I, if you don't know, Michael and I work together, uh, like actively. On if a we lot call it work, I don't, yeah. yeah. Whatever it is, I have maybe. a separate page of notes from this episode called uh, Things to Remember About Michael <laughs> for work. <laughs> <laughs> and it's perfect. But I think that's I think that's part of it is the separation from destination t- to journey to purpose being just moving the needle around some things that are important to you that God has created you to be. And that that's okay. And it's not, it's so selfish for us to think that it's up to us to, to do these mm-hmm. things in the world. It's both selfish and self-abusive. Yeah. So in preparing for this episode, I, um, I decided I'd just like go down a Google rabbit hole And I was like, okay, so what are the few steps towards finding your purpose? Um, I'm sure someone has an Instagram post with 10 steps to finding your purpose. Oh, there were countless websites and blogs that all popped up. They all had a different number of steps and they all named different things as important steps. And it was just wild to me. 
totally crystal clear. It was wild to me that how often we're all asking this question and none of us fully know how to get there, but we're trying to create a prescription to get to this one magical moment to feel confident and safe in our choices and our lives. Like it is, it is us trying to find security somehow that I'm in the right place at the right moment. And we don't ever trust God or ourselves that maybe there's not these magical, perfect moments, but it is like God can speak and work in and through us in those moments. And that is what the Holy Spirit is about weaving in and out, not these perfect, uh, things that we have been have been elusive michael you have a strong thinking face right now for everybody that can't yeah (laughs) we we have this thing called the prefrontal cortex in our brain and our that's that's the higher that's the part of our brain that has has thought and and higher levels of reason i've been told i was left without that yes yeah yours (laughs) hasn't fully developed yet it's it's in process (laughs) um it, it, this, this part of our brain is unique. It's what makes us humans unique uh, compared to other uh, animals. And it's our ability to really think and contemplate. And it's where wonder lives. It's where sort of this existential thought lives about our existence. And what comes with those, that's an incredible gift to have that prefrontal cortex because it allows us to do all these things, to create these kinds of ideas and to talk about them. Uh, but what also comes with it, I think, is this this inner critique and this this constant questioning and trying to make sense of where we are and why we're here. And and then that links back to our our very basic sort of survival instincts, what they call the reptilian brain, the the the, the core operating procedures of the body that is really about are you safe? Are you not safe? If you're not safe, are you gonna fight? Are you gonna run away? Basically, those sort of core basic behaviors of, of an animal. And so these things get connected together. And you're you're sitting here thinking, where am I? Why am I here? How did I get here? Is this where I really want to be? And then that triggers in you this like fight or flight. Like I'm either in danger or I'm I'm in the right place or I'm in the wrong place. I'm gonna fight or I'm gonna run away. And and so you get this like turmoil of all these things uh kind of living together. And I think the thing that's most helpful in those moments is this is us not not we are not 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 you for us necessarily but or not us for you necessarily but the, the relationship that we have the three of us and then this conversation actually having open conversation about these pressures and these thoughts that's what ultimately releases the valve of pressure that that each of us believes that because my guess is that each of us listening now has something about our life that we wish wasn't the way it is mm-hmm. and it haunts us and it it drives us to make decisions we we have maybe some self-loathing some shame around it because we made some bad decisions that got us to this place we think and or that that we don't have the things we wanted and we think that somehow god is mad at us because we don't have those things like i my guess is all of us carry that stuff around and if we don't talk about it then we could believe we're the only ones who are like that and when we're only when we believe the only ones like that, then we really get into this cycle of just really, you know, just sadness and loneliness and isolation. And so 
you know, God's Jesus tells us that the greatest thing we can do is to love our God, to love ourselves and love our neighbors. And that's your greatest purpose. And so I think what we try to do today is embody that by just being vulnerable about our own challenges with purpose and identity and understanding and meaning and life and decision-making. And I think that's about all we can do, you know, and maybe along the way, because we do that, we can sacramentalize, we can, can celebrate the things that didn't go well and name them. And then identify the things that have gone well and the things that you want to live with other people with. I think that that's, that's maybe what we could do in this search for purpose that we all have. Amen. I love you guys. So what's your purpose, Evan? To wrap up this podcast and say thank you to Justin and our listeners. So Justin, thank you for producing this episode and for doing our music. And listener, thank you for listening. We hope that you are well wherever you find yourself and that you have uh, now had all your problems solved by three other people. or at least know that you're not alone in the problems that you have that we have the (laughs) very same problems yeah so that is its own form of healing isn't it Mm -hmm. no you're not alone this is one of my favorite episodes we've recorded so far like just straight up i've really enjoyed i really enjoyed this episode so thank you for your thoughts and your friendship and we hope that uh, this episode finds you well and we'll see you next episode thanks Lindsay. thanks michael Bye-bye.